In this episode of the Boost Health Podcast, you will hear... The reason why I started commuting is I had my, my two children were seven and nine at the time. And it's difficult to get away in the evenings, especially to go riding a bike. Um, so in trying to maintain a marriage and be a good parent, it's, it's hard to do that. And so I thought that I could actually just get more time on the bike if I rode to work every day and back and forth. Uh, and the study found that cycle commuting was associated with lower risk. Here we go again. Lower risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, and all-cause mortality versus the non-active commuters. You know, one of the keys about riding is you want to ride easy some of the time. And so that's, that's my easy ride during the week is my morning commute. Uh, we have 51% cycle commuting growth from 2000 to 2016. Now I've got several years worth of data. So for 45 degrees, I know exactly what I need to wear in that temperature range. Find your balance. Find your balance. Find your balance. Searching for more wellness balance is our goal here at Boost Health. I am Paul Sandberg, the founder of Boost Health and your host. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the NSCA. I have a bachelor's degree in human biology and a master's degree in business administration. And I've been working in the wellness and fitness industry for over 19 years. On the Boost Health podcast, we cover the entire spectrum of wellness concepts and give you some actionable tips that you can implement in your personal health strategy. Now, my philosophy with this podcast and with Boost Health in general is to be open-minded. Try new things. Preconceived notions shouldn't get in the way of wellness strategies that could be a real difference maker for us. Have you ever tried a new wellness tactic and it surprised you and how well it worked? Those are what we are trying to uncover here. Thank you all for spreading the word about the show. If you think someone might enjoy it, please take a moment to rate and review the show in your podcast app. Q&A. If you want to ask a question for the show, just click on the green Ask Paul button on the podcast page on myboosthealth.com. So here's the listener question for this episode. Paul, what is the gratitude journaling you've talked about on the show a few times? Well, gratitude journaling is the practice of noting good events uh, or experiences or people or things in your life and the positive emotions that come with them. Now, this has actually become more popular in recent years because some research has been coming out that's touting the fairly substantial health benefits of doing this. Now, one major analysis actually aggregated data from 40 different studies and found that long-term health can be improved by 10% with only five minutes a day of gratitude journaling. So that's pretty good return on investment. Now, as always, I'll link to this study uh, in the show notes and blog. Now, whether you believe this research or not, it certainly seems like a harmless practice. So give it a try if you haven't already. I actually have my own little system I use in an effort to multitask and combine several healthy practices into one. So I do my gratitude journaling while I walk using Evernote and the dictation feature on my phone. 
Now I do this as I walk home in the morning after I drop my kids off at school. So my mind is really fresh and productive. And after going through what I'm grateful for, I then note my recent accomplishments over the past 24 hours. And then I finish with my strategy for the day. And then by the time I get home, I feel positive about life and work and actually have really good strategic direction for the day. And I combine this with the hardest thing first rule and the two minute rule for work as soon as I get home. You can check out all 10 of my tips for the best morning routine at myboosthealth.com. I'll link to that in the show notes and blog as well. And again, if you have a question for me, please click the green Ask Paul button on the podcast page on myboosthealth.com. Announcements. Winter is right around the corner, and I know you don't want to think about it, but let's plan ahead a little bit and let's get our winter gear in time for the season. So the My Boost Health Performance Apparel Shop is open until October 16th. And in this ordering period, we're actually offering some really cool winter pieces. We have a hoodie, arm warmers, long sleeve cycling jerseys, running tights, thermal cycling bibs, and even a new special black kit called the Secret Boost. Just click on the shop link on myboosthealth.com to check it all out. Now, listeners of this show can actually get a discount if you use the code BALANCE, that's B-A-L-A-N-C-E, like find your balance, at checkout, you can save 5% off your order. Newsletter. If you haven't already signed up for the Weekly Boost newsletter, what's going on? Get with the program. You got to do this. It's really easy. You can do so just by entering your name and email into the form on the homepage of myboosthealth.com. Don't miss any Boost Health news. All right, now on with the program. This is the first part of a three-part series with David Hamby, who I proclaim is the king of cycle commuting. He has been consistently commuting to and from work nearly daily for eight years in all seasons and all conditions. In this first episode, we discuss health benefits, environmental benefits, and some worldwide stats of cycle commuting. Why David started cycle commuting and lessons learned and tips. Okay, here is part one with David Hamby. Well, I have a very special guest with me today, Mr. David Hamby. In my opinion, he is the king of cycle commuting. I was not able to find any world records or logs of the most workdays consecutively or collectively cycle commuted. So without any data to argue against, I'm going to go ahead and assume he's one of the world's best. Now, regardless of whether or not that is true, he's been an inspiration for me. And David and I met virtually through a mutual friend of ours when he suggested I join their Saturday morning ride sometime, which David organizes. Unfortunately, I learned of this ride shortly before we knew we were leaving for Hong Kong, and so I was never able to join. Regardless, we still began to follow each other on Strava. And as such, I've watched David as he's logged ride after ride into work and home from work, seemingly every single workday for as long as I've been following him, which is a couple years now. And it doesn't matter if it's snowing or raining or if it's January or August or even Monday, he just gets it done. And he lives in Kansas. And if you know anything about the Midwest and the United States, we get every type of weather that you can throw at throw so it's it's pretty impressive that he that he has done it for so long and if you've listened to the unfound episodes with Jules 
you know that I've been researching health benefits of cycling recently. And bike commuting keeps popping up in studies with tremendous health benefits. As such, I thought it'd be great to have the most dedicated bike commuter I know on my show. So David, thank you for joining the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Paul. Before we dive into the wonderful world of bike commuting, I want to tell you a bit more about David. David has been happily married to Stephanie for 21 years, and they have two kids, both in high school. Taylor is a 17-year-old senior, and Logan is a 15-year-old sophomore. And his family is also hosting Jorge, who's a foreign exchange student from Mexico. David has lived in Kansas his entire life, and he's a graduate from the best university there is, the same university I went to, which is the University of Kansas, um, in the civil engineering program, and he's a registered professional engineer in the state of Kansas. He is the Lawrence office manager for BG Consultants, a consulting engineering firm located in Lawrence, Kansas. He is actively involved in his church, Family Promise, an organization focused on assisting homeless families and coordinating the rides of a local cycling group. He has served on various governmental advisory boards for the city of Lawrence, trying to make Lawrence a better place to bicycle. And so I definitely want Dave to talk a little bit about that too, because I know there'll be some folks listening into the show that are interested in making their area a better place to cycle. So David, thank you again for joining. And when and why did you start cycle commuting? So I looked back. I couldn't remember exactly when I had started. I, I looked back at some of my records, and I found out my first day of riding to work was June 1st of 2010. Wow. I was surprised that it had already been eight years. And so it does go by quickly. And um, the reason why I started commuting is I had my, my two children were seven and nine at the time. And it's difficult to get away in the evenings, especially to go riding a bike. Um, so in trying to maintain a marriage and be a good parent, it's, it's hard to do that. And so I thought that I could actually just get more time on the bike if I rode to work every day and back and forth. So I started at that point. And, um, so that was an easy way for me. It didn't add a whole lot of my time to my commute at the time. It was uh, about four and a half miles and it took me 15 to 20 minutes, 15 uh, on the way home, about 20 on the way there, just because it's uh, uphill on the way and downhill on the way home. And that was just an easy way for me to get an extra nine miles of riding every day. Eight years. I mean, I just, <laughs> I know you said it goes by fast, but, you know, going out there on, uh, you know, one of those winter mornings in January in, in Kansas, did you ever sort of think about whether or not this was a good idea? <laughs> I, uh, I question that occasionally, but um, here this last winter, I was thinking that, uh, so, so my routes become a little bit longer now, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but. Uh, when it hits below 25 degrees, I kind of question, should I be out on that route where there aren't a whole lot of people around if something went wrong, you know, or I slipped. And so it's it's pretty chilly, but generally uh, I can stay warm enough. You, once you start moving, you generate your own heat. So uh, sometimes I do question my sanity. I know all my coworkers question my sanity, <laughs> but uh, it's something I enjoy doing. Well, as I said, I mean, you're just a, a tremendous inspiration to me. I think it's it's super fantastic. I have a little experience in, in cycle commuting. Um, you know, I worked from home in my previous job, and, and now I work for, for from home for Boost. Um, and as such, I haven't really had a chance to bike commute in recent years for work. Um, however, when I lived in Kansas, I would drop off and pick up my kids from school. Uh, I had a, my mountain bike. And a little bike trailer, if you've seen those, they're those little two-wheel trailers that you can pull behind a bike. And 
they were still little enough at the time that I could squeeze them both in there <laughs> and take them to school and take them home. And they loved riding in it. They were troopers. They didn't care if it was raining or snowing. They just thought it was a lot of fun. And it's a pretty good little workout. Their school was about a mile and a half away from our house. So got a pretty good little workout for myself. And, um, you know, that adds up to over time with, you know, not putting gas in the car and, uh, you know, helping the environment. It's pretty neat. Um, so I just have, it's not nearly as impressive as yours, but I just have a little experience with it. Uh, and then when I went to university, uh, I would bike um, to uh, school and to work quite a bit. Because Lawrence, as you'll talk about, I'm sure, Dave, is really a, a bike-friendly town. And since this is a show about wellness and we're always searching for new ideas to improve health and overall balance, I wanted to review some of the research um, that has found cycle commuting to be quite beneficial for overall health. And a couple of these you would probably heard in the show with, with Jules. Um, and, and that's really what sort of sent me off on this tangent to, to learn more about cycle commuting. And it's, it's pretty amazing. I think, you know, one of the reasons there's so much research about cycle commuting and health benefits is because, you know, you have a few reduced variables. There's just some good consistency with it. Um, so one really famous study uh, was in the 2011 uh, uh, Scandinavian Journal of Medicine and Science and Sports, where they did a huge systematic review of health benefits in cycling and found individuals who commute to work via bicycle are at lower risk for all-cause mortality and cancer. So that's not too shabby. <laughs> if you're at lower risk for all-cause mortality and cancer, that covers quite a, quite a bit. Um, and, and this was in folks who are middle-aged and older. So that covers quite a, quite a big chunk of the working population. And they also found, this is no surprise, that there's strong evidence for improved cardiovascular fitness. That's probably not a shocker. And moderate evidence for decreased cardiovascular risk for individuals who cycle regularly. That's pretty cool. Um, and then a study came out earlier this year in 2018 in the Aging Cell Journal that found exciting evidence that cycling and probably other forms of physical activity too can actually drastically reduce the aging process of your immune system. And they found this because they noted that cyclists that were in their 70s and 80s that they were studying, studying excuse me, had immune systems that looked more like somebody in their 20s, <laughs> which is just amazing. So if you've got a strong immune system, of course, you're going to be able to fight off infections and maybe even cancer much more effectively. Uh, another really good one that I like is in the 2017 British uh, Medical Journal. Um, they did a huge, huge cohort study. Talked about this one with Jules too, but it's so good it's worth mentioning again. So it's huge, 263,000 plus people, men and women. This was over a five-year period. And they studied folks that took part in regular, what they call active commuting. And this was either walking or cycling or doing a combination into work. And this was in England, uh, Scotland, and Wales, which I think it's arguable. They probably have some pretty, uh, pretty intense weather over there too, especially in the winter. Uh, and the study found that cycle commuting was associated with lower risk, here we go again, lower risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, and all-cause mortality versus the non-active commuters. So it's pretty neat. I wonder, I'm interested to hear what you think of this, David. I, I wonder if there's something to this, uh, you know, this two times per day of movement. Um, you know, we know that sitting for long periods of time is bad. You know, when we started looking at Sitting for long periods, we started having everybody stand up, get a standing workstation. And then we start seeing musculoskeletal, disease, uh, musculoskeletal issues if people are standing too long. So then we say, okay, now it's better if you sit for a little while, stand for a little while. And more and more studies are coming out that shocker show we just need to move more <laughs> throughout the day. Our bodies are just meant to move more. So I wonder if 
you know, the cycle commuting, when you're going to work and home from work every day, there's something to getting your body moving a couple of times a day, especially on a commute like yours that's that's eight miles-ish. You're getting about 16 miles every day, broken up into two times per day. I mean, I'm pretty good about exercising every day, but there are days where I just do it once. Um, so there's a lot of other parts of the day where I'm just standing or sitting. Um, I will say, though, that after working in population health management for big companies for over 11 years, we're, we're always looking for ways to reduce health risks. You know, and in seeing the reduction in risk for all-cause mortality for consistent commuters, I would heavily incentivize people to ride into work. Uh, it, I would be talking about this with my population health companies to, to incent folks to do this. Now, understandably, it doesn't make sense in all cases, such as if you live too far away or if you don't, you can't find a safe route. But if I were talking to a corporation about health initiatives and investing in programming, I would be sure, absolutely certain to recommend support for bike commuters. This would include, you know, on-site showers and bike racks at work and, you know, sort of a bike buddy and mentor program. Uh, even, you know, planning some company cycle commuting events together and make making bike commuting part of an overall wellness incentive program for that company. And it may, in some case, cases, make sense for companies to provide bikes to employees. I mean, just, just to get folks started. I think it, it's worth, you know, you don't have to buy them the $10,000 bike, but you can, you can buy them a nice little bike that would get them through all the seasons of the year without spending too much money. And it'd be a really good investment in, in you know, the best asset that a company can have, which is their employees. So uh, the benefits are, are too great to ignore, but I'll, I'll shut up for a second. <laughs> Dave, I want to hear what, what you think about uh, the, the health benefits of, of cycle commuting. Obviously, you believe in it and doing it for so many years. I, I do. And just to, to wrap back on to what you had just said about uh, help, helping your employees find a way to do that. There's there's some companies I've heard of that will uh, buy bike share passes for their employees. So they're oh. able to use that rather than just uh, uh, buying a bike themselves. So that, that only works, obviously, in cities where you have a bike share program. But that has worked in some of the areas I've seen. Uh, back to your question about health benefits. So uh, following up that research, those, those are almost big case, you know, cancer and mortality type stuff. I can just say that uh, from from my experience, I haven't missed a day of work uh, for as long as I can remember. So um, I know my coworkers can't necessarily say that, but um, usually I'd end up with a cold or something during the winter. But generally, I cycle right through that. And actually, it, I think it helps me uh, um, feel better when I cycle with a, a cold when I get to work rather than just uh, dealing with it, you know, if you're sick. So when I get to work, actually, I feel a little bit better than I would have. I would have just drove to work. Uh, so, so and mentally, you know, that's another part of it too. Just um, the preparation of going to work, I can kind of organize my thoughts, and then on the way home, just kind of release some of that stress that accumulates at work and um, decompress. And then when I get home, I actually have a, a clearer mind and and have have exercised some of that stress out. So that's uh, both physically and mentally, I find that there's a definite health benefit for that. That's an interesting point, Dave, because, you know, we know stress has a lot to do with disease in the body. Um, so maybe there's something to that. You know, maybe it's not just the physical piece of actually exercising twice a day and moving more, but maybe there's something to, you know, the combination of that with the de-stressing element. That's, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah. Cause people talk about, Oh, it's nice. You know, they enjoy their, 
their their driving commute because you know they put on some tunes or a podcast or whatever and just sort of have that quiet time to to sort of zone out and and recenter before they get home but you know even better on a on a bike while you're getting a little bit of exercise right that's great well i wanted to talk a little bit about some some statistics i hope we've gotten people excited about cycle commuting and we're going to talk later in the show about tips to help people get started and you know, over eight years, Dave's got some great ideas to, to help you get going and, and stay consistent with it. But I wanted to share just sort of where we are um, sort of globally and where we are in the U.S. and even in Kansas um, with with some cycle stats, just to give people an idea about, I guess this is what we would call an opportunity, right, Dave? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah. So, we, you know, we've got some pretty good stats here. This is based on 2016. Uh, this is the U.S. Census Bureau findings. Um, so good news first, uh, we have 51% cycle commuting growth from 2000 to 2016. So that's a good sign. We're not, we're not uh, all sad news here. Uh, in the top three states um, by percentage that commute by bike are Oregon, um, which collectively as a state has 2.2% uh, folks that uh, cycle to work by bike. Montana at 1.2% and Idaho at 1.2%. Um, now, Oregon, I knew, especially with some of your, you know, green initiative cities like Portland would, would be up there. But I was, I was really pleased to see Montana because uh, they have some pretty, pretty tough winter in <laughs> uh, Idaho as well. So that was pretty impressive to see those states up there. Um, and, and, you know, since we've got David on and since I'm also from Kansas, wanted to share this real, real quickly, too, because... It gives you some good perspective uh, on an individual state. So Kansas um, is ranked 26, so sort of in the middle. Um, and they have increased their percentage of bike commuters by 10%, so that's good. Um, Lawrence, Kansas, just to give you some perspective, it has a population of about 95,000 people. Um, and there is about 0.6% uh, of their population that is bike commuting. So if you put a number on that, that's 318 people. Now, I've ridden around Kansas on a lot of mornings, and if I think about 320-ish people out on the road commuting, that actually sounds pretty good. But overall, 0.6% uh, of the population living there commuting is, is not so hot. Now, I know um, my family inc included, we for a while worked in Topeka, which is about 20 miles away, which is, unless you're a heck of a cyclist, that's, that's a pretty long commute to do every day, especially with some of the roads trying to get there. So that might be part of the reason why Lawrence is a little bit of a commuting town for Kansas City and, and Topeka. And we'll have Dave talk a little bit about, you know, the, the specifics on some of the things that he's working on to, to help Lawrence with their overall commuting. Some global stats, and these are kind of interesting too. Uh, it was tough to glean, you know, any worldwide commuter data, um, but I, I was able to find a few things. First of all, Copenhagen in Denmark is pretty much the uh, the mecca, if you will, of of cycle commuting to work, they actually have 52% of their population cycling to work on a daily basis. It's very, very impressive. And they actually have an objective for their city to get over 50% of their population commuting via bike by 2025. So they've already beat that goal. And I'm imagining they're going to try to increase that even more. Um, so that's, you know, I think that's sort of on the other end of the spectrum of, of you know, total, total buy-in from, from everyone and good infrastructure. And then you've got uh, England and Wales. They have about 2%. This is as of 2011, 2% of their folks uh, cycling to work. 
but it's not just about work commuting. So, you know, there's some interesting stuff that this company uh, called World Bicycle Relief. They're working to give individuals transportation just to get through life. Um, so they've been doing some philanthropic efforts to deploy over 400,000 bicycles since 2005. And their whole goal is to remove the barrier of distance to get folks to education and healthcare and, and, and work or economic opportunity. So according to World Bicycle Relief, they collected data on a project they did in Zambia uh, in schools where students were given bikes uh, and they had attendance rise by 27% and academic performance improved by up to 59%. And that just, you know, warms your heart that, you know, just getting, giving somebody as simple as something as simple as a bicycle um, is really giving people uh, a lifetime of opportunity. It's really, really, really nice. Uh, and also healthcare workers on bikes have been able to visit more than twice the number of patients per day. So, uh, you know, if you're out there in, you know, injured or, or really need medical care, you're going to be more likely to get, get the healthcare that you need because people are able to get to you. Pretty neat. And also environment, of course. Uh, it isn't just about us. Cycle commuting can have tremendous positive effect uh, on our environment. Um, according to youcanbikethere.com, bicycling, number one, obviously uses no fuel. Uh, it takes a lot less energy to make than a car does. Uh, and they don't require toxic batteries or motor oil. And then, of course, air pollution is, is important. Um, so how much air pollution is actually prevented by cycling? Well, the actual calories you burn while riding your bike depend on your weight, speed, distance, and other factors, of course. But we did we have an example here with a 10-mile round trip, so it's about the same as yours, David, uh, for commuting five days a week for one year. So you could actually multiply this by, by eight because <laughs> then you've been doing it for eight years. Um, so if you have a small car that's getting about 35 miles per gallon, uh, it's about 68 gallons of gasoline they're figuring per year, so 0.7 tons of CO2 emissions prevented. Midsize, uh, about 20 miles per gallon, it's 124 gallons per year, so 1.3 tons of CO2. And then if you got one of those big SUVs, not getting as good of gas mileage, of course, so using more like 170 gallons of gas or 1.9 tons of CO2 that is prevented uh, being emitted into the environment. So really uh, pretty big numbers there if, if you're able to cycle commute five days a week. So Dave, anything that you want to add to the cycling stats or how we can improve uh, the number of people that, that cycle commute? Sure. This is a, a question I thought about a lot is how can we actually get more people to uh, commute by bicycle? And really what I've come down to is you've got to make it easy for people to do that. And so that's the, uh, the biggest challenge we have is to make people feel comfortable, as comfortable as they can while doing it. Uh, so this kind of loops into a uh, some of the things that I've been involved with with Lawrence, uh, they're offering a class called Confident Capable Commuters, which is a three sessions, like two nights on a Saturday morning. And that helps people learn some of the skills they need to become commuters. And it helps, helps them even just learn, learn how to change a tire and, and so forth. Uh, so that's that's something you can definitely, hopefully in your area where you're listening to this, there there may be something like this if you're if you're wanting to do that. Um, I'd encourage you to get in touch with a local bike shop or even uh, Parks and Recreation. They may be able to help you out and find something like that. And just kind of a, a, a fun note, too. So, uh, you know, I, I know I'm saving gasoline by not driving to work. And, you know, you save money on that. But 
the the way I kind of justify it is, you know, that's money I let's say I saved uh, three or four hundred dollars. That's money you can spend on new bike clothing, new bike clothing, a new bike, um, other fun accessories. So I'd rather spend money on those type of things than just buying gasoline. So absolutely, it, that's uh, a good point. <laughs> Yeah. So that's something I use to kind of justify some of my purchases sometimes. Well, I've saved us some money on gasoline here. Let's let's invest in this. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. And there's plenty of cool toys for, for bikes, that's for sure. Definitely, definitely. That, that, that's a good point. You know, I wonder what percentage of folks out there are, are sort of, uh, I guess you could say, commuting uh, curious, um, where the barrier for them to start is education on okay, well, what happens if I get a flat tire, which, you know, if you're going to be doing this five days a week, it's, it's probably going to happen to you at some point. So having some sort of class about, uh, you know, basic bicycle maintenance, including, including changing a tire, I think would really be helpful. Um, and then, you know, also providing, you know, from a city perspective or, or a state perspective, safe routes to get around the different cities, um, I think would really help people just get that confidence to get started. So like, okay, if I break down, you know, I've, I've got the tools that I need on, on my bike to, to fix it. And obviously the skills now after taking the course and, and this is something you can do in like a, a you know, a, a day course or a weekend course, right, Dave? Correct. Yeah, definitely. So, um, there's a class I took here recently that's, uh, it was about 20 hours and this is a little higher level class. It's called, um, league cycling instructor. And it's put on by the league of American bicyclists. They brought in an instructor from, uh, I believe it's from Texas. And we went through about 20 hours of coursework and basically learned how to teach these classes to commuters or, or children, college age kids or, or older folks, um, just a wide variety of people. But what it taught you was a lot of skills that you can help other people uh, learn the things they're missing in their, uh, their writing skills. And so that was really helpful too. One thing I didn't mention um, as well. So there's a program we've, we've started actually Fort Collins kind of initiated it and, and Lawrence has kind of done a few classes of this. It's called bicycle friendly driver. And so it's hmm. a class that you actually teach to vehicle drivers and it helps them understand why cyclists do what they do and how to drive safely around cyclists. So it's geared toward both uh, either bicyclists or just drivers, but it's a good all-around program that um, could be useful and even group, even uh, for groups of fleet drivers, for example, whether it's post office or uh, UPS drivers or bus drivers. Or uh, there's there's places where the the professional drivers may even see a benefit from that. But if you can get some of the general public involved. That's a helpful program to teach as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good idea because I think, you know, if you're a driver and you see a cyclist on the road, it, it can be stressful. Maybe you're in a hurry to get somewhere, but, you you know, you, you want to do a good job. You don't want to hurt the individual. I think most people are probably in that situation. Um, and if <laughs> the cyclist maybe is inexperienced, they might be weaving back and forth and not keep an eye on what's going on around them. So. I don't think in every single situation the cyclist is doing, uh, doing the <laughs> being safe for their own for their own good. Um, so it probably yep. goes both ways. So as a driver, you know maybe there's things that you can watch for um, to make sure you're given the individual the appropriate space and and even assistance if needed. And it's interesting here in in Hong Kong we don't have very much space on the roads. And um, I'll put this in words that. Uh, 
are, are uh, kid friendly here. <laughs> so honking in the U.S. means something different than it does in in Hong Kong, at least. In the U.S., it pretty much means get the heck out of the way <laughs> um, in most cases. And in, in Hong Kong, um, what I started to learn was the buses and taxis here will just give you sort of a little beep beep. And it's not get the heck out of the way. In most cases, it, it means, hey, I'm here. And you know, I'm passing. And most of the times, you know, if we're riding in the dark or, or most of the time we're aware enough, we know they're back there, but it's just sort of their way of telling us um, that they're coming around. Now it's interesting because they'll give you that little notice, but a lot of times they'll give you about a centimeter of space <laughs> when they pass you, but at least they tell you before they, before they uh, brush your side. Uh, but that's really good. I really like that, that, uh, that there's some initiatives out there that are are happening because it's really, I think it's just about mutual understanding and mutual respect. Definitely. So Dave, do you have any tips that you can share after all your experience, after all your eight years? I'm interested to hear what, what some of the things that you've gleaned are sort of the top little hacks or tips uh, for, for cycle commuters. So I spent some time putting together some lists and, you know, just, it just kept coming and coming. So if I get too many of them, just let me know. No, but, no, fire um, them all off. We want to hear them. <laughs> So the, the first one I, I'm going to say is just start writing. Uh, each person will have their own routine. They'll find their own route and find out what works for them. And so if they want to use some of these tips as a starting point, it's, it's definitely a, a great starting point. But I would expect somebody would take some of this stuff and, and tweak it to what they need. Right. So, right. for example, my my uh, my work is such that I need a vehicle at work every day because I drive to different areas around the region uh, as part of my work. And so that was part of my initial, uh, well, I can't really commute my bicycle because I need my vehicle at work every day. Finally, I overcame that by saying, well, I can just leave my vehicle at work. And then I'd commute home at night and commute back in the morning. And I also uh, typically go home at lunch and have lunch with my wife. And we just uh, are able to do that because I live within, you know, 10 minutes at work. So that's something I do every day. So initially, once I saw that, I just said, well, I'm going to leave my vehicle at work. Uh, it worked really well for me. The, um, and plus, the only Dave, thing with I, that too is, you know, uh -huh. the boss says, oh man, that Dave Hamm, he's here first one in the morning and last one to leave every night, right? With your <laughs> car exactly. park there. <laughs> exactly. And so now I'm the boss. And so I get to set the example by being there early. Oh, there you go. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so they can't tell if I'm there or not because the car's usually there either way. <laughs> but uh, so that's, that's one of the things, you know, find out your routine, find out what works for you. And if it, if it's something where you don't need your vehicle to work every day, then you write in and you can either carry your lunch with you. Uh, you know, I understand that some people do different things for lunch. And so uh, everybody's got to figure out what works for them. And so following that up, what I do, rather than packing my, my work clothes with me every day, I just take up a week's worth of clothes and hang them on the back of my door. Oh, that's and so a good I, idea. I just pack up my hang up clothes and hang them on the back of my door. And then I have a backpack under my desk with anything that doesn't need to be hung up. And so, you know, once a week I'll pack up my stuff and then I'll, I'll bring it back home and uh, switch it out once a week. So that, that makes it pretty simple for me to do that. You know, Kansas has a wide variety of weather, anywhere from uh, the coldest I've been is negative 10 Fahrenheit up to about 80 degrees uh, at 7 o'clock in the morning, so 80 degrees Fahrenheit. So uh, there's quite a variety of, of different temperature fluctuations. So generally, I dress as cool as possible in the during the my ride, so I minimize the amount of sweating. I don't obviously want to get frostbite or something like that but generally you're going to be chilly for the first five to ten minutes of your ride and that's about the right temperature you know for the rest of the ride 
And so generally I'll, I'll uh, take it easy on the, my, on the way into work. And then on the way home, I don't have to worry about as much. And it's usually warmer anyway. And so then I'll end up taking a shower when I get home after I uh, come home on the days like today where it's 95 degrees out. So it's uh, pretty warm. So and that's, then, sorry to interrupt you, Dave. That's, no, that's go a good, that's a good way to attack it. So you, you still get some good cycling in both directions, but you're, you're not smashing it to get into work. So you're not getting there and <laughs> sweating buckets and everything. You get your core temperature up enough on a cool morning where you're warm, but you're not overdressing. So you're not soaked by the time you get there. And then on warmer days, you're just, you're just not smashing it to get there. So you don't have to take this big shower, right? You can, you can arrive there and you're fine and ready to go to work. That's, that's right. Yeah. It, just, it works exactly like that. And so also I think it helps me just, you know, one of the keys about riding is you want to ride easy some of the time. And so that's that's my easy ride during the week is my morning commute. So it's just something where I can kind of go, even though I've got a few hills on it, uh, I can still put it in lower gear and just pedal up the hills at an easy pace. And uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of out, of out of you. So, yeah, so that's like perfect forced zone one, zone two training. And to your point, yeah, you want to train all of your energy systems. So, so you know, and you don't want to be a sweaty mess for when you get to work. So that's perfect. Yeah. You do your zone zone two stuff on the way in. I love it. Yep. And so in order to help me figure out what to wear each morning, I started keeping a log book and I just do it in, in word on the computer. But, um, I know, you know, typically what day it is, uh, what the temperature was, wind speed and direction, and then all that wind chill if it's in the, in the cooler mornings. And then, um, whether I was cold, if my fingers were cold, if my toes were cold, if my you know, uh, nose was cold, whatever, if I need to wear something different, basically, or even if I was too hot. So if I wore too many clothes and that way I can look at that. And now I've got several years worth of data. I didn't do it every morning, but I've got multiple pages of data. And so for 45 degrees, I know exactly what I need to wear in that temperature range. That sounds just like something a engineer or scientist would do. And <laughs> yeah, that's after my heart. Cause I I'm the same way. Like I love to have, you know, systems and spreadsheets and that's, and, and to have that historical data on what you can look back and, and see, Oh, it was 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And yeah, it felt like that was a sort of a medium glove day or whatever you're tracking. That's perfect. Yep. So that's really helpful. And then, um, another thing I have, I have a rack on my bike with a trunk bag. And so, if it's, you know, 45 degrees in the morning and 65 when I come home, I'm not going to wear the same clothes that I wore oh, when I yeah. went to work. Which is so definitely those... possible in Lawrence, Kansas, where you can have like a 30 degree swing. <laughs> in exactly. One day, right? Exactly. And so I can throw those in the trunk bag on the way home and then uh, I don't have to worry about, you know, having a backpack or anything like that. So that uh, that's pretty helpful. Perfect. And then I also carry a spare tube. I carry tire levers and I also carry a CO2 pump and a manual pump. So. If I ever really have a really bad day, then I can uh, I can still get to work. And you know, make sure you know how to uh, ch uh, change a tire, change a tube pretty quickly. Generally, I can do that in two or three minutes, and that's fairly quick, and that doesn't affect really uh, getting to work on time. So that's I think it's important to know how your bike functions and if, know how to put a chain back on if it comes off. Know the know the basics. I remember I was I was riding home sometime, and there was this guy riding a bike or actually walking a bike and and I said, you need some help? He's like, well, the chain came off. So I stopped and put it back on and he rode off. But I was surprised he didn't uh, know how to put a chain on. So, uh, <laughs> right. Well, and, you and know, the, I think yeah. one of the things, too, that might scare people um, that you could speak to, Dave, is like you can put a chain back on a bike and you can change a tire and you don't have to be like completely covered in dirt and a greasy mess if you do it properly. 
that's uh, that's exactly right. So and and grass is good for wiping off grease stains as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, one other suggestion that I've uh, thought about a little bit as well is that I would suggest that you make your your regular ride to work five to ten minutes or even longer. Um, then your quickest route to work. So if your quickest route to work is three miles and it takes you 15 minutes to get there, choose a route that may be, you know, four, five, six miles. And that way, if you have a little problem in the morning, a flat tire or rain or something else that makes you get up late and start late, just you can always fall back to that shortcut and you still arrive on time because you plan for a longer ride. And so uh, that's that's something if you're uh, you usually I allow plenty of time to get to work on time, but uh, that's that's nice if you have bad weather and you just don't want to ride the longer route. That's a good strategy. I like that. And then this is this is one that's important to me, and I, I would suggest that you follow the rules of the road and uh, stop at stop signs, use your turn signals, act like you're a car. Um, and and the reason I suggest that is you know I see a lot of drivers out there, and if I blow through a stop sign and they they're stopping at a stop sign, they're not real happy about that. Right. I, th- I right. think. They, they respect you more as a cyclist if you stop at the stop sign and or you use your turn signals. And even if they're not, because there's there's many more drivers I see every day that that blow through a stop sign or don't use their turn signals than I do cyclists. But cyclists get the, the bad rap there. Yeah, it's about mutual respect, isn't it? I mean, you know, we, we don't like it if if, uh, you know, we get buzzed or we get pulled out in front of or somebody's not using a signal. So it's basically the golden rule. So we, (laughs) if we want, if we want to be well taken care of out there by, uh, drivers, then we should, we should do the same and make sure that they understand what we're doing, which is following the rules of the road. That's good. Right. Okay. We will stop there for part one with a cliffhanger for part two. Make sure to listen into the next episode where David and I discuss bike handling skills, all the most important gear for bike commuting, air horn traffic control, and the texting police. Well, David, I've had you here for quite some time. I really appreciate you taking time to to join me all the way from from Lawrence, Kansas. Um, So it's getting late your time, so we'll wrap it up here. So thank you all so much for listening to the show. Also, thank you very much to my friend David Hamby for joining the show today. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show in your favorite podcast app. You can follow my workouts and boost health updates on Strava, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for My Boost Health. You can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything, along with more motivation and information. And until next time, this is Paul Sandberg for David Hamby saying goodbye and find your balance.